0: everyone, I'm Alexis Grace and this is the Paper Cranes Podcast. I believe that we encounter God every day. Whether we realize it or not, He can be found in the grandest of adventures and the smallest of moments. Paper Cranes Podcast seeks out stories that show us how vast God really is, one person at a time. Hey everyone, I'm Alexis Grace and this is the Paper Cranes Podcast. Today I have a very famous Twitter priest. Father Cassidy, would you like to introduce yourself?
1: Hi, everyone. I'm Father Cassidy Stenson. I am a diocesan priest from the Diocese of Richmond, Virginia. Uh, so it's good to join you. Great to be on this podcast. Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for agreeing to do this. So Father Cassidy, would you like to tell us a story?
1: Sure. Um, so the stories that came to mind, uh, just as we were getting ready to record this... Um, a lot of people have asked me what it has been like to just become a priest. For anyone who doesn't know me, I'm relatively newly ordained, not brand new anymore, but I was ordained just over a year ago. Um, and so for me, a lot of this past year, you know, notwithstanding the coronavirus, 2020 pandemic, all that stuff, a lot of this year, even besides that, has been a time of firsts, I guess you would say. Um and some of the, the the surprising experiences for me have been the firsts of ministry um, and the firsts of my uh, my ministry really serving people in my parish. I think is the biggest source of surprises consistently in my life. Um, and one story in particular that came to mind uh, is just really reflecting. It was it was a very a very ordinary experience, I would say, of parish ministry on one level. But it was really striking on another. Um, So to give a little context, a very ordinary part of priestly ministry is just making house visits, right? You don't typically as a priest, you're not going to spend your entire day, every day sitting around a parish office, right? You do a certain amount of that. You know, you'll hear priests complain sometimes about how office work takes up a lot of their time. But really as a priest, and especially for me as a new priest and as a parochial vicar, I have the opportunity to do a lot of quote unquote field work. I get to visit my parishioners and make home visits. A big piece of what I do as a priest is bring people the sacraments at home. Um and obviously that's been a little bit limited lately, but even now we still do that. We still bring communion to people in their homes and the most important task that we have as priests I think in being available to our people is when we're called upon to administer the anointing of the SIG and last rites, right? Mm. Um and one of those days, um, and I forget exactly how I got the call, but I found out that there was a man who was in our neighborhood who needed last rites. And um for me, that's always a challenging call to get, right? not so much because I don't know what to do. Like the church in its wisdom has actually really spelled out for us as priests what we need to do, right? We go, we show up, we have the entire rite set out for us, right? The rite of viaticum, anointing, confession, all of that. Um, But even still on a personal level, it's very challenging, right? Because you're entering into what is always on some level an experience of suffering, an experience of the cross. And you are being challenged and asked by the church to bring christ to these people um and I, as many times as i'd done it it was still a little bit of a challenge right you're thinking to yourself i don't know what situation i'm getting into all i know is this is a man who's preparing himself for death and he needs the church's help and it's my job to bring the sacraments um and this particular day uh it was the kind of situation that you like to see as a priest is ideal which is somebody has recognized ahead of time that they need the sacraments and they're still really, they're conscious, right? They're still thinking and praying about this process and they're preparing themselves, you know, well ahead of time. Um, It was definitely time to celebrate the last rites for him, but he had started to pray through and prepare himself for this. Mm. Um, So I show up at his house uh, and um, what was really amazing as we, we we started this conversation um first i met his wife um and i met this older man and he was from uh eastern european country he wasn't a, a native born united states citizen um and so first i met him i met his wife uh and then he said i just want some time alone with you i want to just talk about this and really pray through this with you this you know the last rites really you know as mm-hmm. he's preparing himself and before we began, he said, "I want to just tell you my story." And he began telling me really his it was his life story. Um, and he had gone through a really remarkable experience. Uh, he had been um, as a Catholic. He had one of the biggest challenges in his life was being challenged to live out his faith uh, when he was enrolled really in the Russian army. He was taken from his country, and he was told he basically had to join the military and serve in the Russian military. Um, and he said, as a Catholic, you know, you really couldn't live your faith publicly in that way, you know, especially as a part of the military, especially in that environment. Um, he said, I had to keep it secret or I had to go and right, not publicly go out and worship. Right. I had to kind of sneak out and go to mass. Um, and he said, eventually he got, (laughs) he got free. He was able to, to move out of his country. Um, and he had a really remarkable job. He actually became a dance instructor after he left the Russian military. Wow. Um, he traveled the world. He was, um, he was uh, a dance instructor. He taught basically different, different forms of ethnic dance and eventually moved to the United States, met his wife, and somehow ended up in my parish, really once he'd retired. Um, but he said, looking back on all of that, um, he realized at this point in his life, you know, as much as he'd been living his faith, how deeply he needed the mercy of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so in that moment, he wanted to really just, you know, he, he, he led into the the sacrament by saying, this is my life. And now, right now I know how deeply after all of the suffering I experienced, some of it for living at my faith. Um, and just as, you know, living in the world, I know I need God. Um, and so at that point we started celebrating the sacraments, and right this man is literally, I mean, he's basically on his deathbed at this point. He's very weak. Um, so we celebrated uh, rite of penance. I anointed him, and then as we got to the end of the rite, I'm preparing to give him communion, um, and he looked at me and he he stopped me for a second. He said, "No, let me kneel." He just he as before I could stop him, he pulled himself out of his chair. And he was kneeling on the floor. He was crying, right? Mm -hmm. He was receiving his viaticum because at that moment he knew that for all the crazy adventures he'd had, he was preparing himself for the next and biggest transition of his life. Um, And that image of a man who, you know, he barely had any strength, but he was still willing and so determined to kneel to receive the Lord for one last time is something that has stuck with me, I think, ever since. It was one of the most moving visits I've ever had, one of the most moving encounters I've had giving the sacraments to somebody. Um, And for me as a priest, it reminded me of the value of my vocation, which is not to be the source of all of that, right, but to be the mediator, Mm. to be the one who's able to make that encounter possible between the Lord and one of his beloved faithful. Um, So that's just one story. You know, (laughs) we have moments like that almost on a weekly basis as a priest. And I don't think a lot of people get to realize that or see that side of the priesthood Mm. because it's something where it's so intimate. We're invited into such personal and powerful moments in people's lives. Um, But for me, I love telling these stories because that is why we need people to respond to the call to the priesthood and to you know any vocation but the priesthood in particular you have this great privilege of being part of that and i don't think you can really realize how beautiful it is until you've lived it
0: yeah for sure um going back a little bit to when you talk about how he was very determined to receive Christ on his knees um you know do you think that something that's lost in the encounter that encounter with you know Christ in the form of the Eucharist when um we aren't taught or like told that receiving on the knees is an option and a, still a valid one um whenever we go to
1: mass. That's an interesting question. Um I think a better way I would I would put it, I would say it's not so much about the one specific way of receiving the Eucharist, although I think for a lot of people receiving kneeling, right. If your parish has an altar rail and that's something you can do, especially that's a really great thing you can see in a lot of parishes. Mm. Um, The really important piece of it is to recognize that we are body and soul and the way in which we comport ourselves in the worship uh, in liturgy is going to have an effect on our internal disposition in our prayer. Um, and so you can, you can remember that. And depending on what the situation is in your parish, right. Cause you don't want to be on the one hand, you don't want to be divisive. Right. Right. But on the other hand, you do want to recognize that your external reverence does affect the way that you and others pray. Yeah. I think about that a lot as a priest, because I have people come up and tell me they are paying attention to my most minute gestures on the altar. So it's like <laughs> that taken up to the next level. Um, my gestures affect everyone else praying and my own prayer. So, yes, uh, I would say on some level, we need to recognize that. Right? You hear in uh, liturgy studies the phrase "lex orandi, lex credendi," right? Mm. The way we pray affects the way we believe. Yeah, that's that. Yeah. That on a really granular level.
0: Yeah, um, yeah. I like that answer too because, I mean, clearly this man he throughout his life he like knew the importance of his faith and he knew the importance of the sacraments um right up until his last moments really and I've also been able to like witness some really like small but clearly deep gestures of faith um in random people throughout my life but I do think that it's really important to like realize that that impact that others have on you you also have the potential to have on those around you too um yeah people are always watching I I kind of knew that growing up too because I was an altar server and I served almost weekly and the amount of people that would like come up to me and my siblings too um and just be like, oh, I saw you up there on the altar. <laughs> Made us a little nervous. We were like, oh, wow, people are actually watching. I can only imagine when, you know, you're actually the priest. Um, That <laughs> takes a lot of shepherding and grace.
1: Yeah, it's an adventure. You have to try not to be too self-conscious. That's <laughs> why, That's why they grill you so much in seminary formation to make sure you're ready for that. The scariest place to ever be a liturgical presider or a preacher is in a seminary because everyone knows all the rules and they're watching you with meticulous attention.
0: Mm, yeah, um another question with being a priesthood in the priesthood because I know that like your Twitter is very active and you also have done a lot of like twitch streams and stuff. Um, would you say it's essential to your ministry as a priest, also just like while continuously preaching? god and talking about faith with people um to also just let them know that like you are just another human being another person and you like to have fun too
1: (laughs) yeah i think that's that's one of the important ways of building relationship with people right is to um right as Christ did is to enter into their lives as more than just like someone handing on an idea right you're a person to them right mm-hmm. Christ went and spent time with people he shared about himself right at, even as he was right calling others to right give themselves to him um and that happens on a very human level i think we we as priests right this is the whole idea behind um Pope Francis saying, we have to smell like the sheep, right? Mm-hmm. In different ways, right? And the, the way in which you do this is going to be shaped by the community that you're in and your own personal gifts and all of that. But we do have to be immersed in the lives of our people. And if we're not, um, they lose out and we as priests lose out, right? It's like a parent not spending time with their kids, mm-hmm. right? Everyone benefits from investing in that relationship and just, you know, being yourself, being human, right? Because you are you are your yourself as a person and you're also the one who brings Christ, right? You have both dynamics. Mm. Um, and if you neglect either one of those, right? If you're like just a friend or, right, you try and just be a priest to the exclusion of your own humanity, in both ways, it could cause problems. So you have to be both, you know, be authentically yourself and authentically a priest.
0: Yeah, I've always really appreciated it when priests do... kind of let people into like what their hobbies are and just what they're like on a daily basis Um, it makes them seem a little less of a like oh yeah that's that that figure that we always see on Sunday up there um, on the altar and more so just you know this is another person and he's been gifted with a lot of like graces and the gift of being able to help minister to us but at the same time like we need to recognize his needs too um within the parish and within this world
1: and a good way to contribute to right building that relationship is really to invite your priest into your lives mm. right i can't or at least i typically won't just try and invite myself over to your house or invite myself to dinner um Unless we already have a relationship, but I do love being a part of my parishioner's lives, so that's my always my encouragement is just get to know your priest, yeah, um if you're in a parish, you don't know your priest very well, you know invite him to lunch, invite him to coffee, invite him to dinner, um spend time with them, and then that'll that'll open up a lot of doors, right Those relationships are the foundation for the really important spiritual work that happens later,
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for sharing this story and sharing your thoughts on all these topics. Um, I really enjoyed doing this podcast with you, and hopefully sometime soon we can do another one.
1: My pleasure. It would be great.
0: Thanks again, Father Cassidy. God bless.
1: All right, take care. God bless.
0: Thank you for supporting the Paper Cranes podcast. To listen to more like it, visit grexley.com. And to support our Patreon, visit www.patreon.com forward slash grexley.